Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So before we get started this morning, let me do a couple things real quick. First of all, we want to um, have prayer this morning for our Hope Center guys. They're actually on a retreat this weekend. A little over 100 of them gathered uh, at um, uh, Medicine Park in that area, and they're having a retreat with um, the OKC campus and our campus. And I want us to pray real quick and ask the Holy Spirit to invade their lives in a very tangible way. Father, we pray for our Hope Center, the men that you've sent to us that you have trusted us with. And we just pray that uh, although we're not together this morning, that they would take the same excitement, same level of anticipation that they have when they're here to this retreat. I pray that lives would be changed, hearts would be changed, futures would be changed, relationships would be changed, addictions would be broken, and they would genuinely find hope. We ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Second, let me just say a huge thank you. Um, uh, we uh, have a statement around here that we use, sorry, a good bit um, over the years that life together is better. It really is. Um, and so I'm so proud of you. Um, you respond in the time of need every time, and you have just rallied uh, around families in our body that are in need and that are going through, and I know you'll continue to do so. <clears throat> And I'm going to do my best to get through this. If I cry it all out today, I won't have to cry it all out on Tuesday. So um, uh, we spent the last two weeks oh, um, driving. We've uh, traveled over 3,000 miles in the last two weeks. Um, and I've become intimately acquainted with those grooves on the side of the highway. Um, <laughs> That are designed to keep you awake. They're designed to keep you from drifting to the right or to the left. Um, I think we probably know them best called rumble strips. Um, and they, uh, they keep us awake. They keep us between the lines. They keep us on target and headed in the right direction. It's almost like the guys that designed the highways thought ahead enough to realize they knew us enough, they've spent time in your car enough to recognize that at some moment in your journey, you're going to start drifting and you're going to need a reminder that there's a better way, that there is a path that you should take, that there is a journey and a direction you should be on. So Paul, um, Paul wrote in Colossians, he wrote Colossians, uh, you do recognize that Paul was not writing like a novelist would write. Paul was literally writing a letter to the church in Colossae because they were beginning to drift. Um, and we're going to talk about that. And so what he does is he provides for them a, a, um, a written rumble strip, if you will, to get their attention, to pull them back into the direction and on the lane that they should be traveling on so that they would head in the right direction. So we're going to start over the next four weeks. We're going to take um, one chapter a week, which is a tall task because there's so much in this book um, that I won't have time and the guys that are going to help me won't, won't have time to deal with it all. So I just mention that so that you can read ahead because um, none of us are going to be able to, to uh, break down an entire chapter for you each week. And so hopefully um, you'll do some reading. I want you to join me in Colossians chapter 1. 
um, Colossians chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 9. Uh, we're going to read verses 9 through 12, verses 15 through 17, verses 19 and 20, and verse 22. Don't worry, it'll be on the screen for you. I say that like that because I'm going to read a little bit differently this morning. I'm going to pause a, cu a couple times and point out some phrases to you. So let's begin in verse 9. For this reason, since the day that we heard about you, we have not stopped, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge. I want you to see that word right there. It's an important word. Paul's using it intentionally. I'll come back to that. He says the word knowledge. He's asking God to fill you with the knowledge, the knowledge, the knowledge of his will through all, and here it is, through all the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives. He, it's like he's repeating himself, but he's doing it on purpose. Knowledge wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Are you with me? Okay. He goes on and he says, so that you may live a life worthy. This is an important word too. You'll understand why here in just a minute. Worthy. He uses, I think he's using the words intentionally. So that you will live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Here it is again, growing in the knowledge of God. He's doing this intentionally. This is no mistake. Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Qualified. We'll come back to that. Qualified you in, to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Verse 15. The sun, here we go, this is important, another phrase. The sun is the image of the invisible God. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were creator, are created. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, here it is, this is important, visible and invisible. We'll come back to that. Y'all going, where is this guy going, all right? Got to know your Bible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is, here it is, another way to say it, before all things. That's an important phrase, before all things and in him all things hold together. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Fullness in Jesus dwelled in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, here to through uh, things in heaven and earth or things in heaven. He keeps repeating this concept of earth and heaven on purpose by making peace. We're going to come back to that through his blood shed on the cross, verse 22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So I want us to work through this. I just want to make three statements to you today and try to help you understand why Paul is providing these rumble strips, not only for the church of Colossae, but for us today. Because if we're not careful, as we begin to live this life with Jesus, if we're not careful because of the society that we live in, if we're not careful because of the media pressure, if we're not careful because we just take other people's words for it, if we're not careful, we will add stuff and, and, and we begin to drift 
in real relationship. And so Paul makes it very clear. Here's the first thing he teaches us is he teaches us that mixture matters. Paul writes this letter, letter to uh, combat head-on mixture. Right off the bat, we see Paul is combating and the incorrect, incorrect teachings that the church has been re- re- embracing. And what he's trying to do is he's refuting. He's, he's saying, I refuse to allow the church to add anything to Jesus. He is preaching us that, to us that less is more. Here's what's happening. Paul has never physically visited the church of Colossae. He never darkens the door of that church. The uh, historians teach us, theologians teach us that the Colossian church was, uh, the Colossi church was probably planted by the, by the name of a guy, um, Epaphras. We're just going to call him Pastor E. All right. Um, so what happens is Paul is in, in a Roman prison and Pastor E shows up because he had spent time with Paul previously. He'd been impressed by Paul's teachings. He'd been influenced by Paul's teachings. He goes home to Colossia. He, he, uh, he plants a church. And now because the church is starting to drift a little bit, he makes a trip and he visits Paul in prison and he begins to tell Paul what's happening. This is what Pastor E tells him. They're, they're starting to drift. They're starting to wander from the truth. Here's why. They're being invaded by three different groups of teachings. Number one is they're being invaded by Jewish legalists who are trying to tell them that you've got to add all this ritualistic stuff and all these rules to your relationship with Christ or you can't really be a true believer. And so Pastor E says, Paul, you got to help me. They're, they're adding stuff. The, the second group is known as Gnostics. Gnostics had invaded the church. Gnostics believed that there was no, that there was, um, that, that they had this special knowledge that, that God did not create the visible, only the invisible. Now, does it make sense why he's saying what he's saying? They literally taught they had this special inside scoop. That it, you had to believe what they were teaching, that, that God did not create the visible, what we see. He only created the invisible. So now what do you do with Jesus? So they were teaching, the Gnostics were teaching that Jesus, check this out, because you gotta, you got to account for Jesus, right? So the Gnostics have now begun to teach these people at church that Jesus was a phantom, Crazy stuff. They taught that when Jesus was walking on the seashore, he didn't leave any footprints because he was a phantom. Okay. And, 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 and so, 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 so to be, um, so, so they begin to attack that there's no way that Jesus could be fully God and fully man at the same time. And so you had to have their special knowledge. And then last, there's another group that was beginning to teach that you could only earn your way to righteousness by living this very harsh and restrictive lifestyle. And it's all coming down to this. Paul is, is, is combating mixture. See, I've taught you in relationships. We've said this very, very many times over the course of our history that in relationships, the idea that all you need is Jesus is not even biblical. And that is true. I'll stand by that. Jesus modeled that for us, that you need other people in your life. But let me make it abundantly and right out there bluntly as clear as I can possibly make it like Paul made it. That is this, is that when it comes to salvation and when it comes to your standing and it comes to your righteousness and it comes to your status when, when you stand before God, can I just tell you straight up that all you need is Jesus. 
Nothing you can add to the equation will help you be more righteous than you are when you're in relationship with Jesus. The only reason that we have right standing, the only reason that we have relationship, the only reason that we can even get in is because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to through the Father except through me. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Only I can escort you into a right relationship with Jesus. Jesus is all you need. Paul, Paul makes it clear that adding good works, adding rules, adding special additional knowledge is not, not only unnecessary, but it's diabolical. Because if you begin to add stuff and mix stuff and, and, and add any of that stuff to your relationship with the Father, then what happens is you're going to operate in one of two lanes. Number one, you're going to think that you earned your way there. And so now I begin to operate with a spirit of pride. And I, and I pull this off. I was holy enough. I was right righteous enough. I was pure enough. I was undefiled enough that Jesus just helped me get there and I did part of it by myself. And so we operate in, in pride. And so then what it does is it causes us to question the sufficient and the finished work of Christ. The, 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 this, it's not by works lest any man should boast. We didn't get our righteousnesses as filthy rags. I, I, I'm a sinner saved by the grace of Jesus and the grace of Jesus alone. So if we don't know that, we operate in pride. If we don't understand that, then we also swing through the other direction for some of us and we begin to think that, that now uh, uh, what, I, 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 I'm, I'm never going to be able to live up to what Jesus wants me to live up to. And so we begin to operate in a spirit of insufficiency rather than saying that His grace is sufficient for me. I have a question for you this morning. As you go through the book of Colossians, I just want you to ask yourself this question over and over again. How much have I mixed? How much have I mixed into my relationship with Christ? Do you really, do you, do, are there moments that you think and you act as if Jesus' death on the cross was not enough? Are, are there moments that you think and act as if you have to do more to add to what he did? That there comes this moment where, where I begin to, 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 to assert that I've got to do some certain things to earn my way into relationship. I wonder if you act and behave as if there's some, some special knowledge that you've got to get to get inside the, the in crowd. And, and now that you have that special knowledge, I've been in the church for 42 years and i got all these special knowledge. I, I know the secret handshakes. I know, I know all the right phrases to say. I know when to stand. But before they ever say stand, I'm already on my way up. And before they ever say raise your hands, I'm already raising my hand. I'm in the in crowd. I got all this. I know all the Christianese. I, when they say all those weird phrases, I know when, uh, when, when they Say, say crazy stuff. I know what they're talking about because I've been in it so long. I'm on the in crowd. And so now I begin to look down my nose at people that don't know. Mixture. Paul would want us to know that mixture is deadly. 
So I think that through the course of this series, what we must do is we must go back and make sure that our faith is pure and that our belief is pure. In the words of of one of my favorite all-time songs, and y'all are so blessed this morning that I can't sing or I'd bust it out right now. Uh, If Michael Bartlett was here, I'd let him sing because he sounds just like him. Sounds just like Michael English when he sings this song. In Christ alone, in Christ alone, Will I glory? Though, though I could pride myself in battles won, for I've been blessed beyond measure, and by his strength alone I overcome. Or I could stop and count successes like diamonds in my hand, but those trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand. In Christ alone I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory let it be said of me, my source of strength My source of hope is Christ alone. No mixture. You cannot add anything else. There's too much mixture in our lives today. Newsflash, newsflash for the believers in the house this morning. Your political affiliation, your skin color, your economic status, your educational achievements or nothing else has any ability to save us or position us for approval. You are will, When you have come into relationship through the blood of Jesus Christ, you will never be more loved than you are right now. Right now, you will never be more accepted than you are right now. You will never be more worthy than you are right now because of what Christ did for us on the cross. In Him alone, in Him alone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The second thing I want you to notice is that order matters. I've taught you that order matters. Paul jumps on this concept and he reveals just how sufficient Jesus really is. He says in verse 15 that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. In verse 17, he comes back and he makes a statement again. He says he is before all things. I, I, I don't want to bother you with, with some words you may not need to know, but, but the word there that Paul is using in the Greek is protokos, which means or addresses or speaks to rank. It talks about rank. He is literally saying this, that Jesus outranks everybody else. He is first in order. He is first in power. He is first in authority. He is literally saying that Jesus outranks everything, every other power, every other principality, every other person that has tried to sit on the throne, every other person that's tried to establish themselves as the highest authority in the land, in in the visible and in the invisible. Because you remember, he's addressing the Gnostics and what they're teaching. Paul declares that everything you can see, Jesus is a above it. Everything you can't see, Jesus is above it. He ranks. There is no question where Jesus ranked in God's mind. And there is no question where Jesus ranked in Paul's mind. But my question to you this morning is where do you have Jesus ranked? Some of us trust ourselves more than we trust Jesus. Some, some of us have trust our own thoughts more than we trust his thoughts, even though scripture says that his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. But we think we can outthink God. I got news for you. Over the course of the last six, six weeks, I've discovered I can't figure him out. 
I can't figure out his thoughts. I can't figure out his ways. But I stand here today to tell you that he still ranks higher than anything I can figure out with my own mind. And so I've got to come to a place where I trust him. We trust our own preferences more than we trust his word. We read his word that says live like this and we think we're an exception. We read his word and says act like this and we act just the opposite because we don't rank him high enough. We trust our feelings more than we trust his commands and his teachings so we allow our thoughts and our feelings, our beliefs or someone else's teachings and preferences to outrank Jesus. I am asking that during the course of this series that Jesus will pull rank on you. He will establish himself and remind us that Jesus outranks our fears. I just need him to remind us this week that Jesus outranks cancer. I need you to be reminded this week that Jesus outranks COVID. I need you to understand this week that Jesus outranks any kind of sickness, any kind of infirmity. I need you to be reminded this week that Jesus outranks any doctor's reports. I need you to understand that Jesus' voice outranks every other voice of authority that are speaking accusations against us I declare to you that Jesus is first in rank he is above all he is more mighty than all he is the one he's the one that spoke with one word and the universe was formed the word spoke and set it all in motion he ranks first he ranks first his opinion ranks higher than any other opinion he's first in order he is the preeminent, and therefore that he should not only have the first say, he should have the final say. So we drift in our walk with him when we diminish his rank, and we, be, we begin to assert our position of authority over our own lives. We diminish his rank when we look at some teacher that we prefer and allow his voice to be louder than the voice, the still small voice of God. We diminish his rank when we accept the word of anybody else over his word. We diminish his rank. We drift. And he wants this morning to come back to this place where we won't let anything or anyone have more sway or more influence than Jesus. It's this old song, he said it, and I believe it. Y'all remember that old song? He said it, I, man, y'all are lucky. <laughs> we got to come back to that place. Well, what if things don't turn out the way I want them to? Welcome to life. Does that diminish his rank? No. What if we pray one way and God in his infinite wisdom says, I got a better way. His rank is higher than our rank. And then last, I want to tell you that peace matters. I've come to a conclusion if you'd ask a 17-year-old Steve Ely, I'll just talk about me, I ain't talking about you. If you'd ask a 17-year-old Steve Ely what mattered, I would give you a list like this. Money matters. Cars matter. 
don't get it twisted. Cars mattered back. <laughs> Acceptance with my friends mattered. Success matters. Fame matters. Clothes mattered. Hair mattered. I got the signal, Darren. I saw that coming. That's not in my notes. I saw Darren go like this because he knew. But I'm not 17 anymore. And I have discovered that more than anything else, the one thing that matters more is peace. You discover that all those other things I mentioned come and go. And even if you have them, it doesn't assure peace. So now the most important thing in my life is peace of mind and peace of heart and peace at home and peace in my world. And if you don't know how important peace is, Lose it. Let a situation come into your life where it rocks you to your foundation and lose it for just a moment. Let somebody call you with news you don't want to hear. And you, if you're not careful, you can lose it for a moment. And all of a sudden you realize that the car I'm driving doesn't really matter. And the clothes I'm wearing will go out of style and come back in style 20 years later. It doesn't really matter. The house I live in doesn't really matter. What really matters is whether or not I have any peace in my heart. And what we don't always realize is that peace isn't obtained passively. In fact, according to General Douglas MacArthur in the speech on September the 2nd, 1944, on the decks of the USS Missouri, as the Japanese commanders laid down their weapons in World War II and de declared, we want peace, this is what he said in his speech. This is what MacArthur said in his speech. his speech. He said, peace is determined on the battlefields of the world. Peace is obtained and can only be won through war. Through war. All the attempts to get the right house, to get the right car, to get the right clothes, to get the right job, to get the right money, to get the right acceptance, to become famous. All those are is an attempt in our feeble attempts to war for peace. There's only one problem. We don't have the rank necessary to win peace, to obtain peace. That, that, that's why in, in, in the small, perhaps, almost overlooked statement in Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 which says this and through him to talking about Jesus to reconcile to himself reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven listen by making peace through his blood shed on the cross that's why that little obscure passage captured in Paul's uh, 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 attack on the, 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 the undoing of their faith, he makes this statement that almost seems like it's just an afterthought. It's probably one of the most powerful statements in the entire passage because peace matters, but peace was only obtained for us because Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood 
That's the only reason that when my world is spiraling out of control, that's the only reason when I get gut punched with a doctor's report, that's the only reason that when I get a gut punch of a death report that I can stand on this platform and say, although I may be hurting and although my world may seem to be spiraling out of control, peace, peace, wonderful peace exists in my world. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Paul declares that Jesus has forced the enemy to surrender through battle and therefore makes peace possible by the shedding of his blood on the cross. The most desired, the most important thing in life can only be claimed and experienced in life by acknowledging and embracing the victory that Jesus won on the battlefield of his cross. His death produces peace for us. And until you accept that, then get all the houses you want. Get all the land you want. Get all the zeros behind the bank account you want. Get all the initials behind your name. Master of this and doctor of that and physician of this. Get all the acclaim. Have everybody stand up and praise your name and sing your goodness and sing how powerful you are and declare how anointed you are. But the bottom line is that until you experience Jesus, you never experience true peace because we weren't ranked high enough to win this battle. That must be one to have it. But Jesus won that fight. And if you, have, if you don't have peace today, hear me clearly. It's not because it's not available. Rest assured, this morning, on a morning when things seem to be swirling out of control, rest assured, don't make the mistake. Don't miss it. The white flag of surrender has been waved the greatest peace treaty that the universe has ever seen has been signed by the defeated foe of our life. He was forced to sign. And on the bottom of this peace treaty, there's, a sign, there's the, the signature of a victor. And in red, he has written his name. He's the son of God. He, he's the only son of God. He is the highest ranking official in the kingdom. He is the one that had the ability and the authority to cause the enemy to bow his knees in surrender and say I sign it in my blood that peace is available because I've obtained it he is more than just a, a peace speaker he's a peacekeeper I want you to understand that Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says this and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus Literally this morning, Jesus is stationed. He is positioned on the battlefront of my heart and on the battlefront of my mind. And he's guarding the peace that he secured and obtained for me when he died on Calvary. It's there. He's, he's fought for our peace and he fights for our peace because peace matters. And I'm thankful that God knowing peace would be so important to us made it possible that's one of the benefits of Pentecost. The comforter has come. So that on days like this, when I would rather pull the sheets and the blankets over my head and stay in there for a long time, 
I can get up and I can keep on walking. Esther, I'm sorry, but I'm going to share this. I can't help it. I sense in my spirit. I, I, uh, on uh, my days are all running together. On Wednesday, when we get home Wednesday, Wednesday on Wednesday night, we walk into Danny's bedroom, and I have never seen more peace in my life. For a man that was high strung like me, for a, a man that could be like all over the place, he looked at us and he said, "I got peace. How does that happen?" How is that even possible? I can tell you, Danny would stand here and tell you, Jesus won peace for us. And so this morning, if you don't have any peace this morning, I just need to tell you, it's obtainable and it's sustainable. But not through our efforts and not through our abilities and not through our achievements and not through our goodness and not through our righteousness and not through our knowledge and not through our wisdom and not through any of that stuff. The only way you find peace is Jesus. Peace that passes all understanding. Father, we need you today. a river attend to my soul God help us to fight mixture Jesus help us to recognize your sufficiency. Help us to understand that we don't have to add, we can't add anything to what you've already done. complete in you. You're the fullness of the Godhead. The fullness of God resides in you, Jesus. May we be pure. May we be pure with no mixture. Jesus, we assert your rank this morning. You are above all.
rank higher than death. You rank higher than sickness. You rank higher than my fears. There is no equal. There is no rival. You are uncontested. Jesus, it wasn't even close. And Father, I repent of days where I feel like that there are other things that get close that seem like they're so powerful. And the truth is, is that they're not even close. Readjust our perspective today. May we see you, Jesus, for who you really are. The firstborn, the image of God, the fullness of God, all power, all authority, the keys to death, hell, and the grave are rattling from your waistband today and you don't walk around with any threat of, an, of a coup or to be overthrown. You alone and you alone are king. And in our spirits, we bow down to you. Our preferences bow down to you. Our opinions bow down to you. Our thoughts bow down to you. Our ways bow down to you. You are Lord. And I'm thankful that because you have that kind of rank and that kind of authority, knowing that we would need peace. I'm asking you to bring peace. Whatever's being faced in this congregation this morning, whatever turmoil, whatever trouble, whatever threat, whatever fear, whatever worry, whatever's producing anxiety, would you sweep in with the peace that you want on the cross and allow our hearts not to be troubled? Would you allow us to walk through dark moments, painful moments, but still having our peace. Produce peace in the middle of our storms, we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed if you're here this morning. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, 
visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.